Hey y'all, today we are going to talk about how to get stuff done when you've got kids at home. The story of my life. <laughs> You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. Alrighty, y'all. So today's episode, first of all, I want to say there is going to be possibly a little bit of ambient noise. (laughs) One of the things that happens when you work from home is that your family is around sometimes. And today the schedule got a little bit wonky and I really needed to get these episodes done today, but the kids are at home today. So you may hear them, you may hear the kids. Um, You probably can hear the dryer if you are listening with some high quality headphones. So it shouldn't be anything too loud or distracting, but if you hear yelp (laughs) or shriek, yes, I do have children at home, which is relevant to what I wanted to share with y'all today because lately I've been getting a lot of questions about all kinds of different time management things and energy management and motivation and productivity and getting stuff done. How do you get stuff done? So um, I'm going to take the next few podcast episodes and talk about this. So one of the biggest, biggest, biggest things that I get asked about is how do you get stuff done when there are kids, when there's a family? So this is something that I have spent a lot of time (laughs) troubleshooting and thinking about um, because I have three kids and they are home. And at the time of this recording, they are literally at home right now. It's summer vacation. They are running around in the yard right outside my window. My husband is tooling around somewhere. You'll probably hear him open and shut a few doors um, if you're listening closely. How do I get anything done? (laughs) Number one is I get stuff done even if there's noise. (laughs) But um, really, I wanted to share some of the things that I've learned about freelance writing um, when you have little kids underfoot because it is not as easy as some people make it sound. And it might not even be as easy as I make it sound. You may, be, you may listen to this and think, well, that's all well and good and it must be nice to you, but that will never work for me because. And to that I say, then you've, you know, you've got to get creative. But here is what has worked for me and what I've learned from other work-at-home moms and um, what I've seen work for my students, what they've shared is working for them. Okay, so the main thing that I want to start with is this concept of sacred time. And I did not invent this concept. I I sort of, I mean, I invented the concept. I didn't invent the concept, but I was, was implementing this. I didn't have a name for it. I just was like, this is the thing that I do. Um, and then I started following Julie Stoyan, who is a marketer and writer who I just have tremendous amounts of respect for. She, I'm in her high-end mastermind. She has all my money. <laughs> Anything she puts out, I buy it. She's one of my favorite people just on planet Earth, basically. And she has a series on her blog, juliestoyan.com, about time management and productivity and getting stuff done. And one of the concepts that she teaches is called sacred time. So sacred time is the time that you have reserved for yourself where it's it's like it's the time that you give 100% to your work. So she talks about it in a work context. Sacred time is a chunk of time 
that is uninterrupted. You have set things up so that you will not be interrupted. And this is the time that you can deep dive and you can really get immersed and you can do some hardcore planning or writing or whatever it is that you need to get done. And you know that it's that you have that time for yourself. It can be challenging to find the sacred time um, when you have little kids. When your kids are older and they're in school and you are fortunate enough to be home, then your sacred time can be a block of time that you set aside every day while you have the house to yourself. If your kids are younger, like mine, and like um, is the case with a lot of the a lot of my students, a lot of my students are moms and they have little kids. My children are seven, three, and one right now. So one of them is in school all day. The other one, the middle one, my girl Arden, she is um, like last school year, she was in preschool five days a week from like, it was like nine to noon. Um, and then Elliot, my youngest, he's one, he's closer to two now, but he was not going to start preschool until this coming September, I guess a month from now. Um, and he was at home with me all day. So, and it was challenging (laughs) with that little turkey, but, um, I have, I've had a number of different iterations of working at home, but I will tell you that when I first got started, my first, um, three years of motherhood, I was working. So I got started in freelancing. I'd been kind of dabbling in freelancing for about two years before I really dug in and was like, this is the thing that pays the bills as opposed to this is a fun experiment for play money. And the, the, so those first years of this is the thing that pays the bills, this is the only thing that pays the bills. I was doing so as a single mom with my kiddo at home with me. No preschool, no babysitter, occasional grandparent care, but basically it was just him and me. And what I learned during that time is that I had to, um, it was this concept really of sacred time, but I just didn't call it that. I learned that there were things that I could do when he was awake And there were things that I could only do when he was asleep. I could really only write and pitch effectively when he was asleep. I could fold laundry when he was awake. I could wash dishes when he was awake. I could give him a bath when he was awake. I could check email when he was awake and and do some social media and and that kind of thing. Um, I could, there were a lot of work tasks that I could do when he was awake. And there were a lot of home tasks that I could do when he was awake. Um, there was a, like a, there were things that I could only do if I knew that he was going to be sleeping or just, you know, hanging out with a grandparent or something for a number of hours. And specifically that was writing and editing. I tried to edit when he was awake. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't my best work. Um, so, Basically, the li- so as a result, the list of the things that I was quote unquote allowed to do when he was napping was very, very short. And basically that list was writing work, editing work, client calls, um, which I rarely took, and um, any kind of in-depth research that I needed to do. So for example, um, course, maybe some coursework or um uh, like researching potential clients and that kind of thing. If there's something that I just absolutely had to have full concentration on to do or to figure out how to do, I could only do it when he was sleeping. And so I knew that when he was sleeping, the only thing I did 
was the writing work or whatever. I'm just going to to condense it for simplicity. I'm going to say the only thing I was allowed to do when he was asleep was my writing work. That's when I would do my writing, my client work. If he was down for a nap, I would not use that time to catch up on TV. I would not use that time to fold the laundry. I would not use that time to wash the dishes or wash the car or anything, any of the millions and billions of things that had to get done. I would not do them while he was napping. I would only do that stuff that I could only do when he was napping. I hope that that makes sense. I feel like I'm talking in circles. Figure out what are the things that you have to do when there are no children around that you can only do when you when there are no children around and then when there are no children around, only do those things. Don't use them to catch up on other stuff that you theoretically could be doing when they are underfoot. Now, if this is you, I want to tell you something that somebody told me years into this struggle, and it changed a lot of things for me. When you are the at-home parent and you are trying to build this business around your family, you are no longer a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, as the case may be. I have one of those in my family. But no, when you go from being the stay-at-home parent to being the work-at-home parent, you're trying to start a business, you are you are now playing a different role. Your life is going to look different. When you are an at-home mom and your primary responsibilities are taking care of the kids in the house, those are your responsibilities. And so when the kids are sleeping, that's when you take care of the house. And maybe you are able to uphold higher standards of, you know, homemaking. (laughs) When you decide to fill those hours with work stuff, you are giving up those hours for home maintenance, meaning those hours that the kids are sleeping. You are trading. You are not, you are just simply not going to be able to get as much done around the house. You may not be able to get as much done playing on the floor with your kids. You know, you may have less of that time because you are shifting. You have introduced a new responsibility and you have to find ways to accommodate it. This was a huge struggle for me because I thought that I was supposed to be, you know, Susie homemaker, brilliant state, you know, I was quote unquote, just a stay at home mom, right? I had this writing business thing that I did in my spare time, but really I was supposed to be a stay at home mom and my house was supposed to look the way stay at home mom houses look, right? And the reality was that I was not a stay at home mom. I was a working mom who worked from home part time. And so if you are, a working mom or a working dad. The same goes for for, um, dads, but it's just the mom thing is more common and it's my experience. So it's what I refer to. If that is you, then you need to be aware that there there is going to be some level of trade-off. There is going to be some level of sacrifice. There is going to be less of you you know, to go around, you are juggling more responsibilities. And this is even more true if you have a job and then you're trying to freelance uh, in the fringe hours outside of your job. You are taking more time away from the family. You are taking more time away from the home maintenance. And it can be really, really difficult if you expect yourself to be able to get as much done as you used to and also do this business thing. It really sometimes comes down to one or the other. I don't know how many nights we had cereal for dinner (laughs) because I didn't have anything left to give and I had a major deadline and I couldn't carve two hours out of my day to cook dinner, 
eat dinner with the family and then clean up dinner. I just, there wasn't the time the deadline took the priority. And so something has to take a priority and you have to decide what your priorities are and then arrange around them. But when you are working from home, it is work and it will require some of your time. And so less of your time will be available to devote to the things that you devoted to it before. So one of the things you can do is outsource as much of this as you can. Another thing you can do is simply abdicate the responsibility and just say, well, we're not going to, I'm not going to vacuum every day anymore. (laughs) Not that I was ever that person, you know, but you need to reduce the task load. And then of that reduced task load, outsource as much as you can. Just be aware that you are going to be doing less around the house because your time is going to be eaten up by something else. So manage those expectations of yourself. That is the number one thing you need to do. Manage those expectations and then get really clear on what you are doing when the kids are not there to pester you and ask you for snacks and wipe their faces. (laughs) It's not easy. I will say it's not easy. It seems simple on paper and it feels a little bit, I feel like I'm being a little bit like reductionist um, because it's not always that straightforward. Not everyone is fortunate like I was to have a good sleeper and to have few responsibilities outside of taking care of my son and the place where we lived. Um, I realize that it is more complex and that just means that you're going to have a, you know, a higher level of sacrifice, a higher level of commitment and um, a higher level of resourcefulness. Okay. So Speaking of resourcefulness, you need these pockets of sacred time. You need to have uninterrupted time where you can concentrate and get stuff done. And you need this time to be minimum of an hour long. You need chunks. You need at least an hour, two hours is better um, of these chunks. For me, I have a hard time getting work done longer than about three hours. So for me, having a two hour nap time and then maybe three hours in the evening worked out really, really well. That was good for my flow. That was a schedule that was manageable for me. Um, You may find that you work better in like two chunks of four hours every week. You may find that you work better with two hour chunks every single day. You may find that an hour here and an hour there is all you need. So there is a little bit of experimentation, but ultimately you need to be finding your pockets of sacred time. And these are the places where you can find them when you have kids at home. Now for me, my sacred time um, when I had one child was, and no husband, (laughs) was nap time. And then after he went to bed, so he'd go down around seven. And then that's when I would um, take probably 20, 30 minutes just to decompress. And then I had the whole rest of the evening to get my stuff done. And I would try to be in bed by 11 o'clock, maybe midnight, most nights. So those were my chunks. I had my two hour nap time. And then I had whatever time I had in the evening. Um, As he got older, and as he dropped naps, or as he reduced his nap time, you know, it went down to maybe an hour and a half, like the year that he was two, um, things were pretty hairy. The year that he was two, was the most difficult one for me, um, I would say, because he needed more of my attention during the day because he was a toddler and he just needed attention and he needed supervision and he wanted that FaceTime with me. Um, and I couldn't like, I couldn't just stick him in the crib with a toy and think that he'd be entertained for 20 minutes. It just wasn't like that anymore. So um, I had a, I had to get really resourceful in what I was doing 
Um, but it, I had that he kept his nap until he was three and a half. So I used his nap time for work time. And then after he went down, I would just work, 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 work into the evenings. I was up till one or 2 a.m. most nights. It was a very unhealthy schedule and I still pay the price for um, the hours and the stress that I lived with. But that's what I had. It's what I felt like I had to do and it's what I did and it worked. So I had, I had his nap time and I had the evenings. A lot of people find that they can get some work in in the evenings. Other people find that it's really difficult because they have a husband or a wife or whatever um, there are other people there who are up, you know, grownups who want their time and attention and who um, are not as open, I guess, to losing that time or who are not as respectful of that time or who simply, uh, for whatever reason, just there are a number of reasons that working into the evenings doesn't always work and you cannot rely on having those two or three hours every evening. Or, you know, like me, if you work three hours every evening, um, then you never see your husband. And so there have been quite a few months, a number of years, really. Um, so I remarried right after my son turned three. So the first three years I was a single mom. And then after that, I was married and I had to figure out like, where does a husband fit into this schedule I've been pulling? And um, there have been a lot of times when we basically felt like ships passing in the night. And so what we would do is fill in as many connection points during the day and then I would the kids would go down and by about 8 30 9 o'clock I am sitting at the computer to do my work until midnight and when he was able to he would like I always had a chair or a couch in my workspace so sometimes my workspace is like the living room and sometimes my workspace has been a whole room like a whole office and so I would always make sure there was a place nearby that he could sit and so even if we were not necessarily interacting or anything he he might be on youtube listening you know watching his youtube videos with his headphones on and i would be sitting right next to him working and that was you know as good as it got for a number of months he my husband was and still is really supportive about picking up work around the house because he knew that work was important to me and he knew that this was something that would eventually lead to him being able to stay home so he did a lot of the household responsibilities he he would i would make dinner almost every evening and he would do the dishes almost every evening putting the kids down to bed was um, usually a joint effort and that kind of thing and then the other thing was our third kid Elliot who is completely adorable um, is not a good sleeper just really was not a good sleeper and so um, I I didn't have consistent nap times with him when he was home with me um, and I didn't have a consistent bedtime with him either. He would fall asleep anywhere between seven and nine. And then he was usually waking up at least once between nine and midnight, sometimes multiple times. And so, and then all through the night and he still wakes up multiple times at night. Um, but what James did to support me and to give me literally the only chunk I had when Elliot was a baby and a younger toddler, he's almost two now, but so for the first maybe 15, 18 months of his life, um, there was no consistent work time. There was no stable, sacred time for me that I could get with him while the others were at school. He wasn't he wasn't napping or he was napping really inconsistently. So I didn't have a nap time I could rely on. And then um, in the evenings, he wouldn't stay down after we put him down. So James picked up the, the parenting shift from 
probably 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. through midnight. And so I knew every night I had 9 p.m. to midnight that I could get my stuff done. And that was really hard. Only having that limited amount of time was really, really hard. My business had grown a lot by then. And I found that I, even when I wasn't doing the active parenting in those chunks of time in the evenings, um, I was still being interrupted. You know, my concentration would be completely broken and I would feel really distressed because my baby was crying and I would feel really, really guilty because I wasn't there to comfort him. And then I would be really frustrated with him because he was awake and making this work thing so hard. And then I would feel guilty about being frustrated with him. It just was this kind of emotional vortex that made it really difficult to get work done. So eventually what we did was we brought in a nanny. She comes, she came to our house, I can't remember, I think it was three days a week. We, I think we started with two days a week and then we added a third because the payoff was enormous. So she would come to the house. My older two, so my oldest would be in school from eight to four. My middle would be in preschool from eight to 12. And then the nanny would come three times a week or two times a week for like three hours and look after Elliot, my youngest. And so that gave me six hours a week in the mornings that I knew I would be able to get stuff done and I could do my writing work. And then I still had the, James was doing the parenting, the nighttime parenting from nine to midnight. So I had these chunks of up to six hours a day, um, five days a week. So I'd have three hours-ish a day, two or three days a week. And then the other two or three days that week, I could have up to six hours a day. And that made a huge difference. And that was what was able to give me the traction to kind of scale and facilitate James um, becoming a stay-at-home dad. I know that bringing in childcare is not an option for everyone. And I tried everything. I tried childcare swaps with a friend. I tried um, having grandparents, like a grandparent, like a day with grandma. Each kid would have a day with grandma. But that still left me with two other kids I had to look after. Um, I tried instituting um, when Elliot would have his afternoon nap, which he still does pretty consistently, thankfully, um, and I would have my older two with me or I'd have my my middle girl with me while the oldest was in school. Um, During that like hour, hour and a half, I would give her screen time, which was maybe not ideal. I'd try to get her plugged into activities, but she just would need me a lot. So I'd put her in front of a movie and she would watch a Disney movie every single day. Not ideal, but it's what got me through. Um, It was really, really hard. If this is a struggle for you, I totally relate. So anyway, as I was saying, how to find sacred time. Find a consistent activity that your kids can plug into every day so that you can have at least, you know, if you can't devote 100% concentration, at least maybe 75%. You can get some outlining done and stuff like that. Um, For some people, it works to get up early in the morning that never worked for me because I have early risers um, and I my kids get up, I mean, as early as 5 a.m. And I, at one point, was trying to get up like an hour or two before them, but at least one of my kids at all times has mommy dar. And so if mommy is awake in the morning, then that child is awake. I could literally wake up at 4 a.m. and just open my eyes and stare at the ceiling for an hour Um, but within 15 minutes of me just opening my eyes to stare at the ceiling, one of my children would be awake because I was awake. I don't understand how that works, but that's how it worked for my family. So getting up early didn't work for me. Staying up late is what works for me. 
Um, we've talked about nap times. We have talked about um, the daily TV time or the daily movie time. Um, that works for my preschoolers and it works for my, um, my oldest now. He, um, sometimes on weekends, um, when my husband was a real, he was a realtor for a while. Um, and so he'd be out showing homes and I would really want to take that time to get some stuff done. So I would put on a movie. This is back when I only had two kids (laughs) and I would put on a movie for them to watch. They would have their daily movie. Um, and I would use that time to get some work done. Uh, let's see, we talked about nights. We talked about bringing in a sitter or a grandparent or training childcare with friends that, um, just proved to be inconsistent enough. The grandparents and the friends thing was just inconsistent enough that it was frustrating. So we ended up, like I said, bringing in the nanny and she was very reliable and she was there every day. And I felt like I could really rely on that. And then if a grandparent or a friend wanted to hang out with one of my kids, on a different day, that was also an option. And it was like bonus time for me. And I'm just looking over my list to make sure I've covered everything I want to mention. Um, You can also ram things through, you know, do your social media, maybe research potential clients, any kind of thing like that, maybe do some of your bookkeeping or administrative stuff or editing things that you've written or like, turning an outline into a fleshed out draft things that don't require absolute full concentration. Um, I did a lot of that at like gym class, like when one of my kids was at the tumble gym or soccer practice and that kind of thing. That's a real thing that happens. If you feel like you need to be there at practice, you can still get some stuff done. Maybe you can't do all your researching and writing, but you can do a lot of the other things you need to do for your business during those hours. So reclaim them. Or if you need to use that time to stare at the wall because you don't have any other time during the day to just stare at the wall and have no one talking to you. I did a fair amount of that as well. And that is a real thing. Like that, I consider that self-care. You cannot be running, um, 18 hours a day and then reserve your six hours of sleep. You you just, you can't be going nonstop. So having that downtime helps for some people. The downtime is driving for some people. The downtime is washing their hair, you know? So if you want to use your practice time or whatever like that as your downtime, do it. There is no shame in that. And then another thing that I see my students do, this is not something that I ever really tried all that much, but um, I've seen a lot of my students do this with really good success is they will, um, like this is usually, most of my students are women um, and they have husbands and children (laughs) and they are the at-home mom. So what they will do is they might work maybe two hours in the evenings, a couple of days a week. And then they have Saturday mornings when dad takes the kids and dad has quality time with the kids on Saturday morning. And mom either has the house to herself or mom packs up her laptop and goes to a coffee shop for like four or the library. Um, I know a lot of people who work in the library because they have their study halls and whatever, and they have Wi-Fi. A lot of libraries, not all of them. A lot of them have Wi-Fi though. So you can take your library and go to a tiny room that, sorry, you can take your computer to the library and go get one of their like study rooms or study carols or even just at one of their work tables, hook up to the Wi-Fi and get your stuff done. Um, And dad, you know, kids have time with the dad and you have time, you know, you have like three or four hours to get your work done. So that is another system that I've seen work really well. I have so much I want to say about this topic and we're already coming up on half an hour. So (laughs) 
we're going a little bit long. I um, There's so much I want to say about this and so much I want to offer to you. But the main thing I want to offer to you is that you have to understand that you um, are more than just a stay-at-home mom at this point. That if you're trying to start a bit, or even a working mom, no matter what your situation is, when you are starting a business, you have to take time away from other things to devote to your business. My goal is to help you r- minimize the amount of time they are actually taking away from your family and find other things where you can pull that time from. Things like housework, things like planning, things like committees and com- you know commuting and things. Anything that you can cut from your schedule, trim it. Remember it's temporary. If you need to if you're on the PTA board and you need to get off the board for 6 months or for just this one school year so you can use those 2 hours a week to build your business do it. (laughs) Do it because your business is going to have way more massive payoffs than one year on the PTA is going to have. And I say that as a PTA member who finds it fulfilling. However, the the return that you're going to get from using that time temporarily, pulling time away from that commitment and putting it towards your business, your return is going to be much, much greater. So I encourage you to consider reducing your outside commitments, come to grips with the fact that you are simply not going to be able to do as much and then find as much of this sacred time as you can to put towards your family. If you are struggling, I encourage you to come into my Facebook group. We are called the Inkwell Guild with Ashley Gaynor. You can just find us there on Facebook and come and post your struggles because there are like hundreds of people in this group who have had the same struggles and we there's a whole lot of working together and support and encouragement and idea giving. So if this is a hard thing for you to get your head around, come into the group. We will rally around you and help you out. All right, y'all have a good one. Hey, did that sound good to you? If you want to learn more about finding freelance writing clients who are going to pay you well, pay you on time, give you recurring work, and make you really, really happy (laughs) to be a freelance writer, then I have something for you. It is called Client Bound. It is my new course on how to find freelance writing clients. If that sounds good to you, then I recommend that you go to copychatter.com slash clients and check it out. And hey, there's one more thing. If you like Copy Chatter, if you listen to this podcast every week, and if you feel like it has helped you, would you mind leaving me a review um, on iTunes or wherever you're listening? That would be really helpful for me, and I'd really appreciate it. So thank you so much, and I will see you all next week.